Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. It should be found on page 514 in your pew Bibles, or 990 in the large print. Proverbs 4, 20 to 27, before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. We thank you that as we listen to your word, we notice such a clear difference between your word and all the words that compete in the rest of the world. We pray that you would give us ears that are tuned to hear your word. But Lord, we ask that it would not just go to our ears, but to our hearts, to the very, the very core of who we are as people. That we would be changed by your word, by your spirit, and the people that you have made us to be. And Lord, that you would even change our words. That the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing to you always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20. As my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Turning to Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37, which can be found on page 793 in your pew Bibles or 1519 of the large print. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37. Jesus says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And turning to our sermon text for today. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We have been talking about uh, the message of James for several weeks now, and especially the way in which James keeps coming back again and again to the same message, basic message, which is, if you really believe these things... 
it will change the way you live. It really is life-changing message of the gospel. If you really believe these things, it will change the way you live. And if it's not changing the way you live, you should probably go back and check and see if you really believe these things. And so, uh, and so he says, for example, in chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we saw last week, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? That if we really believe these things, if we really uh, believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do, if we really believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he has done for us already uh, what the Bible tells us, that ought to work itself out in how we live. And one of the ways that it will work itself out is in the manner of our speech. The ways that we use words. And let me tell you, the Bible often has the message of don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. That comes through a lot. This is one of those passages, when you start reading it, you're just really hoping that an angel is going to show up next to you and say, don't be afraid. Because when you first read it, it's a little terrifying. Here's what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Yikes. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Are we hearing this? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Wow. Should I even say anything after that? Because it kind of makes you feel when you first read it like maybe we should never say anything ever again. (laughs) This could be the shortest sermon ever. But no, that's not what it's saying. (laughs) But it does start by saying, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who who teach will be judged more strictly. And there is a sense there that, you know, what it's saying is, of course, that people who teach, especially those who are teaching things of the Christian faith, are going to be held responsible for what they teach. Because they are instructing others in the faith. And if you instruct incorrectly, that's a problem. Leading whole uh, groups of people astray instead of on the right path. We get that. 
But I think there's also another sense in which this is meant, which is just in more practical, everyday terms, that uh, when it says we'll be judged more strictly, not just by God judging us more strictly, but even by the people around us. And here's what I mean. There are, uh, there are people back in the day who would say, you know, I think I'm, and even today, who would say, I think I'm going to be, you know, I'm a Christian now, I'm going to put myself out there as a pastor or as a teacher, and, uh, and that way I will earn brownie points with God. He will like me better if I give myself over to full-time Christian ministry, right? No. There, there are no levels at the foot of the cross. You don't get uh, brownie points with God if you go into full-time Christian ministry. That doesn't work that way. And so James is saying, you know, for anybody who's thinking you're going to go there, uh, go into becoming a teacher in order to win points with God, think again. What you'll get instead is stricter judgment. But then also people could say, well, I got it, but I'm going to go into being a teacher because I think that will get me the respect of my peers. I think people will, it'll be a great thing to have people listening to me. It'll be kind of a power trip, and that'll be great. People will like that I'm in, you know, the one up front. And... No? James says, for that also, if that's your thought, just cross that right off. Because what happens instead is even people will judge you more strictly. You know that if there is a Christian businessman who is involved in a scandal, it might be a, you know, a scandal. But if there is a pastor or someone involved in the same scandal, now that's a big deal, right? And that's not, we're not even saying what God is, how God is judging people. We're saying how we judge people. As we look at the situation and say, a pastor did that? I actually was listening to a pastor talk with a friend of his earlier this week, and he said that one of the comments that he's gotten, he said, sometimes I wish I weren't a pastor because you can get away with saying things I can't say. He said, I will say some of the same things you say, and I'll have people say to me, and you call yourself a pastor. <laughs> right? And we would understand. I mean, it would make sense. It would say, you call yourself a Christian? <laughs> but that's not the issue. It's, uh, you call yourself a pastor. Because we do see that there should be a distinction. There should be a stricter judgment. Not that there are two levels of Christian, but that those who are in positions to teach should be those who are further along in the faith. Those who have some maturity in Christ that they can share with others. This is why, by the way, um, we're cautioned against putting new believers in positions of leadership. You remember this? I go back to this all the time. The parable of the four soils that Jesus tells about. And you have the one seed on the uh, path, and it doesn't, nothing happens with it. The birds come, take it away. And then the next three soils, the rocky seed, the thorny seed, and the good soil, all three, the seed goes down, and it starts to sprout up, and everything looks good. But in two of them, it's just show. There's nothing that's really there. There's no real root. It hasn't gone down deep. And so when trouble comes, or when temptation comes, they're out of there withers up and dies. And the problem is, what happens in the church is people become Christians, and as brand new believers, they're very excited, and they say, I, I will do anything, I will, let, let me teach, whatever. And of course, churches are so desperate for teachers most of the time, they say, great! <laughs> and put them into positions of leadership, positions of teaching. 
And we find out that maybe they were the rocky soil or the thorny soil instead of the good soil after all. And so James says, if you are wanting a position of leadership, if you're wanting to be in a position of teaching because you think that will earn points with God, don't. (laughs) If you think you're going to do it because it will earn points with other people, don't. And so all these people who are, you know, clamoring to become teachers for the wrong reasons, he's like, don't do that. Here's what that entails, is stricter judgment. And one of the reasons why, is uh, what we just read from Jesus, is we will be held accountable for our words. And teaching does involve using our words, which is where James goes next. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Speaking of sin. He says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Think about that for a second. What if, rather than there being you know, the Ten Commandments or, um, or any of the other rules throughout the entire Bible, what if there was just the one rule? All you have to do, all you have to do is just be perfect in what you say. Everything else is fair game. All you have to do is be perfect in what you say. Is there anybody who could pass that test? We can probably all think of things that we have said this week that we wish we hadn't said. Right? We can probably think of situations this week where things that people have said have been misunderstood, have been uh, regrettable, wish they could take it back. Does anybody who's perfect in what they, or anyone who's never at fault in what they say, is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check? And yet it seems like it's such a small thing. Here's how small. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And listen, he gives us these three images of small things that have huge effects. Small cause, great effect. You have the bit in the mouth of a horse, and even though it is such a small piece of equipment and such a large, massive animal, that bit can turn the whole thing. Or the rudder on the ship, the same illustration. We have a huge, powerful ship, strong winds, strong waves, all this kind of stuff, which is a little bitty rudder on the back of the boat. And anybody looking at that who doesn't know how the whole thing works would say, there's no way that little bit could control that gigantic ship, but that's exactly how it works. Steers it wherever it goes. And I don't think I need to go in to detail on the uh, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Anybody living in West Texas knows it doesn't take much for a fire to get out of control. And James is saying the same thing is true when we are using our tongues, when we are using our words. And by the way, we're talking about the tongue, specifically the spoken word, I don't think it's just about the spoken word for those of you who are thinking, all I have to do is control my tongue, but whatever I put out on Facebook or Twitter, that's, that's, fine, that's fair game. <laughs> it's all that's coming out of us. All our words, however we do it. And he says that the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. If you knew 
that you were carrying around a vial of deadly poison that if administered incorrectly would kill and yet if administered correctly had the power to heal you think you might be careful in how you handled that we think so James says this is what we have in our tongues and yet how careless we are with our words because we have all bought the lie sticks and stones and break my bones but words will never hurt me which we learn when somebody uses words against us and we say well I'm not going to let that bother me unfortunately I think we apply it in a way that says if words don't hurt I can say whatever I want because they're just words nobody can get hurt by it but anybody who's ever been on the receiving end knows that's really not true Anybody familiar with verbal abuse knows that a lot of damage can be done by the words that we say. So here's where one more. It says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So, so far we've really encountered two main problems in this one passage. The first is that it really sounds like we should not be teaching. You know, you hear that, not many of you should become teachers, and we say, well, that gets me off the hook for Sunday school. (laughs) She's not going to do that anymore. No more teaching. Problem solved. Except it's not really solved because throughout the Bible we are still instructed to teach others the faith. And that that's a responsibility of every believer, not just some people. So we're in a bind. How could we, on the one hand, not put ourselves up as teachers, but at the same time continue teaching? And now we have another problem. The problem of uh, teaching requires using words, but now it sounds like all the words we use are just more dangerous than it's worth it. And so we get to the end of this and we say, yeah, you're right. I've said things I wish I hadn't said. And I continue to say things I wish I wouldn't say. Maybe I should just quit talking altogether and the world would be a better place. There's the dilemma. But James doesn't leave us there. He gives us the answer. Is my, uh, oh, and I'll tell you before we get to his answer, that the answer is not just try harder. Just try harder to do better. You'll be fine. That is always the message of religion, and that is always the message of the world in any, uh, in any moral reform. All you have to do is try harder. You'll get there. But that is not the message of the gospel. Here's where James goes. He says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He gives us the image of streams and he gives us the image of plants that bear fruit. You notice how many times in the Bible we keep going back to this idea of plants that bear fruit? And we've talked about it before. You know, he says, can a... um, Can a fig tree bear olives? Well, no, of course not. Can a grapevine bear figs? Well, no, of course not. But as we've said before, you know, you could take an oak tree 
and go tape apples to it or hot glue them on there. And there now there's apples on the oak tree. But they're not the oak tree does not bear apples. That's not what an oak tree does. And it's because and we know this, but it's because of what the tree is, the character of the tree and where its roots are. This whole metaphor of the fruit-bearing plants has everything to do with the source. You have the roots in the ground, and they're drawing the nutrients that it needs from that, and then it comes through the plant, and it bears fruit as the natural result. If the source is right, the fruit will be right. And so it's not a matter of focusing on getting the right fruit. It's going more deeply to the source. The same thing with the salt spring and the fresh spring. Fresh spring. I mean, if we try really hard, maybe we could you know, dip into the salt spring and only get out the water that's not got any salt in it. But probably not. It says if you want fresh water, you don't go to salt water and try to dip carefully. You go to a fresh spring. That's where the fresh water is. I've heard... Uh, I've heard before another way of saying what Jesus says, you know, for the, uh, oh, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, as much as James has talked about the tongue, it's not so much an issue of training the tongue as it is an issue of refocusing the heart. I've heard people say, uh, rephrasing that, that it's uh, in the same way that if you have a jar that's full of something, no lid on the top, and it gets bumped, what's coming out is what's in it. That's no surprise. Same thing is true of us. When we get bumped by life, what comes out of our mouth is what shows what's in our heart. There's another scary thought for us. James has already said, you know, out of the same mouth come... we praise and cursing. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Brothers and sisters, it should not be. Of course that should not be. Of course it should not be. That we would be able to think that we would come to uh, a service of you know, praising and worshiping God, and we would sing God's praises with our mouth, and we would proclaim His great works and His, wonder, His wonderful acts. And then on Sunday morning, But then Monday through Saturday, we treat the people who have actually been made in the image of God as though we have no care or concern, as though they are not even human. John reminds us that if we say that we love God, but we hate our brother or sister, we lie. Because when we're hating people who have been made in the image of God, we show that we're not really loving God. And what James is pointing out is the clearest way to see that is to listen to what's coming out of our own mouths. Because that is one of the best ways to find out what's really going on in our hearts. And so it's not a matter of not teaching. It's not a matter of not speaking. We continue to teach. We continue uh, to speak. But we have to refocus where our hearts are. We have to go back to Jesus. We have to go back for Jesus who died for people who have messed up hearts. Who have messed up stuff coming out of our mouths. 
and who came to give us a new heart. And the more that we are in relationship with him on a daily basis, the more he will continue to fill us with his spirit. And when things bump us in life, so it's not just, you know, on a Sunday morning when all the animals are where they're supposed to be and all the kids are dressed and seated properly that we can praise God. But through everything, through everything of life, when life bumps us and when everything is going wrong, what comes out of us is more Jesus. This is the answer to the problem. It's not try harder. It's not quit trying at all. But it is go to Jesus more and more and more and more and let him continue to change you as we work together with him. And we will see the results even as we hear the results coming out of our own mouths. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.